Welcome to the discussion, how the House is modernizing its human capital programs, sponsored by Cornerstone. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guests today are John Salamone, the Chief Human Resources Officer at the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer for the U.S. House of Representatives, and Richard Capetto, the Chief Customer Officer, also with the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer in the U.S. House of Representatives. John, welcome to the discussion. Thank you for having us, Jason. And Rich, welcome to the discussion as well. Thanks. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Let me set just a little bit of context for our show today. Capitol Hill has been one of those places filled with two kinds of people, I'll say. The young, maybe the idealistic, go-getters. They want to get into politics. And we'll call the other person older, political junkies that got bit by the bug and never left. And then there's the members, the third kind of person. I think the incumbency rate last time I saw something like 80 or 88% of members are are, are reelected. The one constant among all these groups is the need to continually learn and gain new skill sets as technology and topics are constantly changing. The House Administrative Officer is charged with trying to help members, their staffs and others, a total of 10,000 people adapt, change and continually be prepared for the future. And the CAO's Human Resources Department is trying to make members' lives easier by providing what I'll call shared services and tools. The office has been on a, a journey to modernize its processes over the last three years It has a focus on customers, technology, tools, and of course, processes. Now, unlike many executive branch agencies, there's no one to mandate members use a specific service or a specific tool. So ensuring that the CAO is providing the resources that are valuable, cost-effective, and secure is really the only way to address some of these longstanding challenges. So with that context in place, let's turn to the panelists on how they're meeting their goals and what the future holds. Once again, my guests are John Salamone, the Chief Human Resources Officer at the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer for the U.S. House of Representatives, and Richard Capetto, the Chief Customer Officer, also in the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer in the U.S. House of Representatives. Let's do some level set. John, let me start with you. How does the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer support lawmakers today in the training and the hiring in the whole kind of HR world? It's a great question, Jason. Thank you. Uh, Again, it's a pleasure to be here. I think, you know, just very briefly, the Chief Administrative Officer is one of the three officers of the House. Uh, It's the Chief Administrative Officer, the Sergeant at Arms, and the Clerk of the House. There's also a House IG. Our organization is about 700 people. Um, and we provide administrative uh, support to the, to the house um, through finance, a finance department, IT department. Uh, we have a logistics department. Uh, we have HR, um, human resources. We have information technology. Rich's group, also the, um, the customer experience center. And Rich will talk a little bit more about his department. But for the HR department, I have really a, a very interesting uh, dynamic because most of my services are provided to the internal 700 CAO staff. So when you think about recruiting and hiring and labor relations, employee relations, um, performance management, we're providing those services to the 700 CAO staff to make sure that we are bringing the right talent in and managing the right talent to provide that support to the house. I also on my team have um, three organizations that provide Uh, forward-facing services to members. Uh, We run the Wounded Warrior Fellowship Program, where we place uh, veterans in two-year fellowships in member offices. Uh, I also have the Office of Employee Assistance, so EAP counselors, that provide service to the 10,000 staff, including uh, internal CAO staff. And we just recently stood up a wellness program for the house as well. It's about uh, in its two-year uh, first two years of um, programming and really providing enhanced services to the to this uh, to the house community through that um, through the wellness center as well. So really an interesting um, dynamic between internal services and external services, and really excited about how we're going to be growing over the next couple of years to provide uh, services to the house community based on mandates passed by the modernization committee. I want to bring Rich into the discussion in a second, but so your current focus from the HR perspective, the recruiting, the hiring and such is just for the CAO staff, which is, I don't think anyone probably realizes how big that staff is. Yeah, about 700. And and over the last, you know, two years, I mean, three years, really, we have a, we have an HR strategic plan uh, that aligns with the CAO's overarching strategic plan. Uh, you know, as a former executive director of the Chief Human Capital Officers Council and former staffer for Senator Voinovich, you know, had a lot of activity and, 
practices, working on human capital management and human capital practices. And really, uh, we are truly aligned with the mission of the organization and aligning our HR services to the mission. We brought new technology in and happy to talk about that um, a little bit more. Um, just ran our first engagement survey for the first time in 12 years and getting good data, good information on things that we need to be doing. Really bringing a lot of workforce planning uh, to the CAO organization um, and really instituting a lot of best practices that uh, we're really proud of and I'm hoping we're one of the draws that um, uh, the modernization committee paid attention to as they were standing up the requirements for the HR hub. I know we'll talk a little bit about the modernization committee. I know that's there's a lot that still has to happen from them. And I know they submitted their uh, final report recently. But let me bring Rich into this. Rich, let's talk about the customer uh, center a little bit and, and how you guys are, are really refocused to figure out okay, how can you best serve the needs of those 700 people and, and maybe even the members more broadly. Definitely. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, in 2017, uh, the CAO... Uh, launched its st first strategic plan in, in quite a while. And the four uh, main goals of that strategic plan were a focus on customer, process, stewardship, and employee. And while John led mostly the employee uh, section of that strategic plan, which has been critical in enabling us to uh, meet the other uh, four components of the strategy, uh, my business unit, the Customer Experience Center, was stood up as a result of that strategic plan. And our job is to, um, to help make the services of the CAO easier to find, uh, easier to obtain, and that we're meeting the needs of the members and their staff so that they can perform their constitutional duties. Uh, members of Congress and their staff come to Capitol Hill to legislate, represent their constituents, and, uh, and, and be the people's voice in, in, the, in the federal government. And so uh, the more we can enable them to focus on those core tasks and not on administrative uh, work, uh, then, then that's the, the CAO vision. And that's what, um, what uh, this, the Customer Experience Center has been tasked with doing. So just like John explained, we have a mix of internal functions and direct services to the uh, 10,000 staff on Capitol Hill. Some of those include, uh, we stood up a, a training department, which I'm sure we'll talk about quite a bit today, uh, called the Congressional Staff Academy. We also consolidated some services under one umbrella called House Creative Services. That's a one-stop shop for uh, graphic design, photography, and videography for members so that they can communicate the work that they're doing on Capitol Hill back to their constituents. We have a first call customer um, solution center. So anything you need on Capitol Hill, you can call first call and they will um, ensure that they'll fulfill the service that you need. And um, we also established a group called customer advocates, which are uh, sort of like a, a senior account rep. So every member of Congress and their staff, each office has an assigned customer advocate that can uh, in, that their job is to inform them of services available, help them triage and obtain services, triage requests, and to troubleshoot and also communicate back into the CIO organization uh, what's working and not working to help recommend changes to services so that they best meet the needs of of our customers, which are members of, of Congress and their staff, and um, and then we 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 also run the communications and marketing office, which is branding the CAO and its services in a way that our, our customers understand what those services are. You know, there, there's a lot of talented technical uh, experts in the 700 staff that uh, the CAO has. And a lot of times the service we're providing, we might use terminology or want to deliver it in a way that, that our customers might not understand. And so the communications and marketing office does a, a great job of partnering with each different business unit in the in the CAO uh, to help tailor their offerings in the way we communicate about those to uh, what makes sense for a congressional office so that they know what they can get and uh, and how to use it um, and so uh, you know 
John has been, and his HR department has been critical in, in helping us stand up uh, the, the customer experience center and then in engaging in those best practices like performance management and having staffing plans so that we can best um, make our organization meet the member needs. And so um, it's been a real uh, a journey and, um, and a real pleasure to, to try and tackle that challenge over the last three years. A lot of going on under you, Rich, and, and obviously there's a, a need for it, which kind of brings me back around to this discussion around the customer solution center, you, you know, you basically have to somebody to triage anybody's needs. Hey, you need some marketing, you need some communications, you need some graphics, you need whatever. Mm -hmm. Did that come from a request? Meaning did, did you get members saying, Oh, I didn't even know you guys provided those services. And then you, you had this aha moment, like maybe we need someone who focuses on these 10 members or these 12 members. Like, Walk me through how that got stood up because I think that then will take us down this path to talk about the training and the education yeah. and the HR side. Yeah, so that, that uh, realization came out through the strategic planning process. So uh, uh, there was a, a cross-functional strategy team that, that uh, our, our, uh, or the CIO stood up and uh, it involved people from all levels within the organization, frontline staff, mid-managers, senior, senior managers, and across all of our different business units, from HR to logistics to acquisitions. And uh, they spent a number of weeks doing um, a, a study on what is it that we need to do to make the CIO essential to all member, uh, member offices. And they uh, identified some capabilities of what the CIO must be able to do. One of, the, one of the exercises we did was service searches. So our staff would go out, put themselves in the shoes of our customers and try to obtain certain services. We also uh, did some surveying and uh, that's exactly right, what you mentioned. Uh, we realized that staff and members weren't aware of some of the services that we offer. And, um, and in some cases, it was difficult to find out how to get the service. You know, was it this department or, or another department? There's, um, so the idea of having uh, someone, a, a business unit that focuses on that experience from, from when someone has the idea that they, they need something to how they find it, obtain the service, all the way through the follow through and did we meet their need? Uh, that came out of that strategic planning group the idea of the customer experience center uh, was was put into a concept of operations, and then um, and then thankfully it was uh, prioritized, funded, and 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 we were asked to uh, to stand up the the business unit, and um, it's been a partnership with all of our other uh, business units. They've been very. Um, They've embraced the idea. Everyone has seemed to understand the value. And of course, nothing, we wouldn't be able to do anything without, without those partners actually delivering the service. And so we, we rely on each other and, and it, that's the only reason why it's been working. Um, and the customer advocates was, was a sort of doubling down on that concept of one person that you can go to to help navigate the services. And, uh, and that's really what they've done. They've, They've maintained um, deep, long-term relationships with the customer so we can have a, a, a good in with each office. And anytime we're changing or launching a new service, the customer advocates are the, are the, the people that we go to to make sure that information gets into the member office because they, they've got those relationships and, um, and, and, and it's a reliable contact with our customers. Jason, this is John. I mean, I'll just jump in real quick and just, you know, really commend Rich for the leadership that he's shown. I mean, anytime you need to stand up a brand new organization, it's really difficult. Um, but the fact that we have, you know, over 435 customers, uh, very demanding customers, rightfully so, it uh, puts additional pressure on, um, on an organization. And, you know, Rich knows the house um, and as a former, you know, house uh, committee staffer brings a lot of that experience. And I think 
the biggest thing that I've found very beneficial is uh, his um, addition of customer advocates. So every month, his advocates go out and they're having constant communication with the members that they represent, the members that they're there to serve and how they're aligned to serve those, those members. And as a chief, I get a briefing from Rich's team every month on what they're hearing from the customers in terms of, you know, whether it's the IT services, whether it's the finance services, there's complete and total transparency um, and any feedback that they have for me on the services from an HR standpoint that, that my team provides. Hey, we need to get more information out to the members about the Wounded Warrior Fellowship Program or uh, we've stood up through the wellness program, the, um, a, a service called Life Care, and we need to be um, marketing that more to the member offices. So the customer advocates and, and Rich's organization in, in general, the uh, Customer Experience Center, has been a tremendous boost to um, the CAO organization um, and to the services that we provide. That's a great place to take a quick break. We're going to come back and jump into this actually use case of why we're having this conversation, but it, it, this gets us going. So let's take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion, how the house is modernizing its human capital programs sponsored by Cornerstone on Federal News Network. In the federal government, the work you do is so important. And with the world forever changed, it is critical now more than ever to have the skills and capabilities for your mission today and into the future. To keep pace with disruptive shifts to operations, you and your people need technology solutions for continuous learning and development. Let Cornerstone show you the way. Cornerstone provides accelerated innovation and expanded learning so agencies can quickly adapt and evolve to meet the needs of not only today's employees, but also tomorrow's. CornerstoneOnDemand.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, how the house is modernizing its human capital programs sponsored by Cornerstone On Demand on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are John Salamone, the Chief Human Resources Officer at the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer for the House of Representatives, and Richard Capetto, the Chief Customer Officer, also in the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer in the U.S. House of Representatives. John, we heard a lot from Richard Lube about how his organization stood up, how he is really taking into account what the customers are telling them, the feedback you mentioned, the feedback that you get across all the administrative services, finance, HR, IT, procurement. Let's walk into what we're really here to talk about, which is how you guys really are taking some of that feedback and looking at all the systems and capabilities and, and tools that, that are out there and really trying to modernize the human capital roadmap, human capital strategy approach. Let's discuss that new uh, document, if you will. Sure, absolutely, uh, Jason. And, you know, I think one of the big things that, that we've been doing over the last three years, as I said earlier, is modernizing internal CAO HR practices. And you know, through those efforts, we've brought new technology, um, we've brought new business practices, uh, we're using data to drive decisions and, and figure out you know, if we're bringing the right talent in, how can we um, in, enhance our outreach, um, how can we enhance our recruitment strategies, and how can we just make sure that we are bringing in the talent that can help us ensure that members are able to perform their constitutional duties. And you know, through those efforts, um, we have laid a good groundwork um, for uh, expanding services uh, to member offices. And um, earlier this year uh, in March, uh, the Modernization Committee and the House of Representatives adopted a resolution, House Resolution 756, um, entitled uh, Moving Our Democracy and Congressional Operations Toward uh, Modernization. And you know, the first title um, of the resolution asked the chief administrative officer to establish and operate a central HR program for members, committees, and leadership staff. So um, over the course of the last couple of months, we've been putting together an action plan. Um, and I was really happy to see that the modernization committee made this section one of the resolution because uh, you know, if you hearken back to the days of the, the Bush administration with the, the um, human capital, I'm sorry, the, the Bush administration's management plan. Um, so Title I, uh, you know, I was happy to see Title I of the modernization, modernization resolution focus on uh, human resources, uh, central human resources program. I mean, can't, candidly, without 
the right people in the right place at the right time, you're not going to be able to perform your duties, whether you're working in this, the chief administrative officer or whether you're working in a member office. Um, and you've got to make sure that you have the right talent to support the mission. And so we're really excited about the opportunity to, to stand up the central HR program. I mean, candidly, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, and I think we have um, a big mission. Uh, I think Rich, uh, through his efforts to stand up a brand new business unit for the CAO that provides direct services to member offices, provides us with a really good roadmap and something to replicate to make sure that we're, we're successful. Um, but certainly really uh, excited about the opportunity. Um, you know, there are six things that, uh, six requirements that the Modernization Committee um, asked us to work on. And I can get into, you know, some greater detail on that as we get into the, to the nature of the conversation. But I think just overall, the foundation that we've been able to, to um, provide by providing uh, and enhancing internal CAO services is really going to help us uh, as we expand and look at uh, growing our program, you know, an HR program for 700 people to potentially 10,000 CAO staff or house staffers, I should say. So really an exciting opportunity. Happy to have that chance and, and looking forward to it. Let me bring us back for a second before we look at the Modernization Committee. You mentioned you brought in new technology, new business practices, using data to drive decisions. Walk me through a little bit of what you did and, and how it's different from what it was. And maybe, you know, we can start, you want to start with business practices, you want to start yeah. with technology, you choose. Yeah, so I think, um, good, good, uh, Jason, appreciate that. Um, you know, when I came in, I've been in the job for four and a half years. And when I came here, um, realized that we had very um, outdated practices we did not have any technologies to manage our hiring process. Everything was uh, very manual. Uh, resumes would come in and they would get sorted and put into uh, you know, a, a file and someone's share drive. Uh, and we would be you know, managing the application process that way. And so the very first thing I did, I, said, I asked my team, can we count how many resumes come into the organization when we post jobs? And in the first year that I was here, we posted um, about uh, 100 jobs and got about 10,000 resumes. So we're getting on average well over 100 resumes per job posting, right? And that's a lot for an organization to, to manage and it's a lot for an organization to manage effectively. So we started to build the business case using you know, manual data that we had to count to lay the groundwork for bringing in a new applicant tracking system to manage how we are uh, bringing talent into the organization, how we're partnering with hiring managers to make the process more efficient and more effective. And over the last year, uh, we've had this technology deployed. Um, I think it perfectly positions us uh, to find ways to expand that for member offices if they so choose to want to use that service. And I think it's one of those things, you know, if you're thinking about shared services, don't necessarily think it's going to be something that we would mandate, but it would be a service that we could certainly provide to the members if they wanted it. And certainly we're looking at that as a, as a, a real um, opportunity to leverage that technology that we put into place for a very manual system that was broken when I got there and that we have greatly enhanced over uh, the last really two years going through the acquisition cycle, going through the testing cycle, going through the design cycle, and now the deployment cycle. And we've got really good data. I mean, just last week I was sitting down with my team and I was, you know, how, how long is it taking us to hire people? Uh, hire staff and they can pull that data. Where are we getting our applicants from? Are they coming in from USA Jobs? Are they coming in from uh, Indeed? Where are the other job sources that we're getting? Um, are they coming in from diverse um, you know, job posting boards where we're posting our jobs? So it's really helpful for us to have real data in real time um, and hard evidence to help us make additional enhancements and then bring those to market, so to speak, when we uh, launch the HR Hub. Yeah, hi, uh, Jason. This is Rich Capetto. If I could jump in here, uh, just like it, it, it's a perfect opportunity because this was something that we partnered with John on in our in our IT department to to 
bring a solution uh, to the CAO. And we're realizing the same benefits now after uh, implementing the technology uh, two year, for the last two years. Uh, our challenge was for providing professional development and training to uh, member offices, members and their staff. We were tasked with standing up an, uh, uh, a professional development organization. We, we, we branded it as the Congressional Staff Academy to provide tailored uh, education to, to help members and their staff that do their, their constitutional work. Um, like John said, when, when we started this a few years ago, the, the, we had some old uh, custom on-premise technology that was very limited in its use. Um, we, uh, you know, the, the data wasn't reliable. The people that were in the system, lots of duplicates and outdated accounts because it wasn't tied to our, our active directory system. And uh, we were playing a lot of guessing games. What training should we be putting on the schedule? When should it be scheduled? As we talked through the need and the business case, uh, we real, you know, John uh, approached us. It was something that we could partner on, and our I, our head, our chief technology officer, uh, also helped us to identify solutions. And now we've got a, a, a fully automated system where we can, we can pull a lot of that data based on, uh, on, on what, what courses people wanna take, when's the time uh, that's most convenient for them to take it. Um, we have uh, zero sign-on experience, so you're not having to remember multiple username and passwords. And uh, one of the biggest pain, customer pain points that, that helped open up this, uh, this project we've been able to solve, which is that chiefs of staff for members were, were coming to, uh, to me and explaining that they were spending hours uh, tracking their staff's required training. So on the Hill, we've got to take ethics training, cybersecurity, uh, workplace rights and responsibilities. And each of those were run out of different systems, different registration systems, where you were issued a paper certificate and so for uh, managers to track if their office was compliant, they were literally printing certificates and, and keeping them in manila folders to have to track uh, all of their staff and if they were compliant. So it was a, a huge uh, pain point, a waste of, of valuable time for, uh, for a chief of staff. And now uh, we're able to, uh, to, to eliminate that uh, for them. So they can easily see which of their staff are registered and uh, they can assign training to their staff and then, and then track the compliance. So we're really proud that we were able to offer that uh, capability to the members and, uh, and their staff that, that really eliminates a major pain point for them. Jason, this is John. I wanna, I wanna jump in and, and uh, really highlight um, one key piece that Rich said when he first started um, and just underscore it for your, your listeners. This was a true partnership. And I think if anybody is going through and making decisions about acquisition of any IT systems, um, do not do it in a vacuum. You know, Rich and I knew what our requirements were. Um, we took a lot of time to write the requirements um, and we engaged our acquisition team. We engaged our IT team. We engaged our finance team. We had several briefings and demos from companies um, to help us not only define the requirements, but refine the requirements. Um, and it really made a huge difference. And I was, you know, candidly, you're, you're, you know, you get nervous about deploying new technologies, right? There's a lot of unknowns and, you know, there's like zero opportunity. You don't want to fail, basically. And I, I think the, the, the time that we took on the front end to make sure that the requirements were right, to make sure that we understood what the capabilities are and were of the companies that we were looking at, and to make sure that we engaged the partners at the right level, the decision makers. It was really easy with all of that. Had we not engaged everybody and had we not had the, the conversations and the decisions, I think we would have failed. I mean, I, I think um, we are thriving because of it. And 
uh, I think there are opportunities for us to continue to expand and grow um, and add value because of it as well. It's interesting you bring up the idea of the customer and you talked about the IT, the finance team, the acquisition team, which is important. Then you said briefings and demos from customers. Where did the actual, from, from companies, excuse me, briefings and demos from companies, where did the customer fit in? Did you bring in chiefs of staff? Did you talk to them about, hey, this is what this will do. This is where the change is or where's your big pain point? Um, maybe that's a rich question. Yeah, we, we take that uh, customer feedback as a, I mean, they're, they're, the major stakeholder and what we're trying to do. Uh, so we took their feedback from, from customer advocates, like I said, from uh, surveys, we would do uh, create personas and, and run through a customer journey of what, what, what it does, what would a customer do now and where do we want, uh, what does an ideal customer journey look like in a, in a future state? Uh, we had conversations with chiefs of staff to understand the pain point. Um, and then as we implemented it, we continued doing that. So one of the things that we didn't, we, did, we didn't just implement the technology and everything was perfect on day one, we've been really grinding and making continuous improvement uh, over the course of the last year to refine. So we launched this new platform and then we got feedback from people. You know, the, it's confusing to get to this report or, um, this page isn't, isn't intuitive. And so, uh, we've been refining that with, uh, with customer feedback as well. And, um, and it just, it's, it's made strides even from when we launched it. And I would say, you know, we were doing such a big upgrade from, for the first implementation, we were coming from, you know, something that was really unusable and couldn't meet the new requirements of what we were being asked to do to, to just get something in place. And then we've been able to uh, improve that and make it a really useful system. One of the, one of the um, big things that occurred um, while we were planning this project was that the house introduced a new requirement for uh, workplace rights training in, at the end of 2017, that all, all 10,000 plus members and staff had to take a, a at least an hour long in-person workplace rights training um, and uh, when that passed the house you know we realized we realized before but it was even more urgent now that the system we had w couldn't couldn't support that level of um, of effort and so um, we we kind of made do with the first year did the best we can did some workarounds and 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 um, and used some alternative processes to get that working to train 16,000 people in year one. And then we've been able to um, benefit from the new technology since then. And it's made our lives easier in terms of being able to administer a program like that. But um, most importantly, it's made the customer life easier. They can now, uh, they know what their training requirements are. They can easily find it, sign up, attend, and then uh, verify that they've attended with with certificates. So um, the, 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 that, that program um, has really benefited um, from the new technology and we, and we can do, you know, bigger things like that now. Jason, this is John, because I want to jump in again. This is, uh, you know, I, I, I do uh, um, want to highlight again, you know, Rich had the mandate for the in-person training. And we're not just talking in person in DC, we're talking in person around the country at, you know, district offices far and wide. Um, so figuring out ways to leverage that technology and um, bring um, training out to district offices or regional, like a regional based approach that they took was really, we couldn't have done it without the technology. And I think, in my estimation, it's one of the hardest things I've had to see someone do in my career, um, watching Rich uh, have this mandate, stand up a, a training program for the house community and deploy it in about four or five months time um, and be able to track who was taking the training and making sure that they were meeting the mandate that the house passed. Very challenging. We would not have been able to do it without the new technology, and it's commendable what he's been able to do um, since that time. 
Sounds like a great uh, program. We're going to talk more about it after the break. You're listening to the discussion, How the House is Modernizing its Human Capital Programs, sponsored by Cornerstone on Federal News Network. In the federal government, the work you do is so important. And with the world forever changed, it is critical now more than ever to have the skills and capabilities for your mission today and into the future. To keep pace with disruptive shifts to operations, you and your people need technology solutions for continuous learning and development. Let Cornerstone show you the way. Cornerstone provides accelerated innovation and expanded learning so agencies can quickly adapt and evolve to meet the needs of not only today's employees, but also tomorrow's. CornerstoneOnDemand.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, How the House is Modernizing its Human Capital Programs, sponsored by Cornerstone on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are John Salamon, the Chief Human Resources Officer in the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer for the U.S. House of Representatives, and Richard Capetto, the Chief Customer Officer, also in the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer for the U.S. House of Representatives. Before a break, we're talking a fair amount about the technology behind it, the upgrades, how you guys moved really off manual processes, you really just improved all the pieces and parts. John, I want to bring you back into this because you also mentioned the House Modernization Committee and, and some of the the resolutions they've passed and the, and the recommendations they've passed that say, hey, here's your next thing you need to do. How has the technology upgrades that you've put in place over the last couple of years really set the stage for some of the things that the Modernization, Modernization Committee is recommending? Great question, Jason. So just um, by way of quick background, uh, through the resolution, there were six requirements that the Modernization Committee um, asked the CAO to stand up in the central HR prac, uh, program. So one is developing a central repository of best practices. Um, second is improving the uh, ability to recruit diverse candidates. Um, third is looking at employee benefits and developing some recommendations for enhancements. Um, and then the fourth is conducting a biennial staff survey and developing an exit survey. The fifth one is looking at improving the house resume portal and then the last one is providing members elect with information on the full range of services. So kind of marketing and communications. I think our technology um, that we've deployed can help in two of those areas in particular. So one, um, improving diversity recruitment. And in this, uh, I would envision that the Central HR Hub would look, work very, very closely with the new um, House Office of uh, Diversity and Inclusion um, to identify candidate sources uh, where we can make sure that we are reaching um, more diverse um, affinity groups through job posting sites. So through the CAO organization um, and with the applicant tracking system, uh, we're working with uh, an organization called the Professional Diversity Network um, and they in their umbrella have several affinity group job sites. So we're now able to um, track how those applications are coming in when we post all of our jobs there. I think that is something that we could, we could explore as we're standing up the HR hub and then using the technology, the applicant tracking system technology to um, see how, how well we're improving diversity recruitment as one area. The other area um, is the improving the house resume portal. So we right now um, through the CA organization will post jobs for members if they would like us to do so. Um, and we do that from time to time, um, but we're still using some outdated technology. Um, and, and now that we have the advent of the applicant tracking system, really think that this system uh, is scalable uh, and will give us better use of modernized uh, business practices and technology to help members uh, post jobs through our services, capture and collect resumes, uh, be able to track where those resumes are coming from, be able to screen out candidates. So let's just say we're gonna advertise for a chief of staff job. We could ask some screen out questions um, that would weed out applicants, you know, cause sometimes when you find a, somebody applying for a chief of staff job, they may be an intern um, and have uh, aspirations to be a chief of staff, but certainly are not in a position to take on that level of responsibility. So I think the technology will help us screen out some of those um, uh, candidates and, and be able to provide resumes uh, that are much more tailored to the job specific requirements that the members need. Now, obviously, a lot of these are notional, um, but certainly um, something that I view 
the use of technology and the applicant tracking system that we have as a real opportunity and service that can be deployed for 435 members or any subset that would uh, care to use the, the services. One of the things about the Technology Foundation as well is it also gives you that, okay, well, where can we go in the future? Have you guys started to have that conversation? I know it feels like we just, we just got this implemented and we just started to really win the benefits. But when you look next, you know, three, five, seven years, do you guys have that as the strategy include where you'd like to go? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're really uh, evolving with that right now for the CAO organization. You know, the first, first step was just, let's just see if this works. Right, we've done the testing um, and we've been able to get jobs posted. Um, and you know, just last week, as I said, I was having a conversation with my team about how long it's taking us to hire um, applicants for uh, positions in the CA organization. And I know end-to-end -end hiring. Now, what I want to be able to do is see can we count discrete steps in the hiring process and how long that's taking. So I think what we're trying to do is learn the technology, learn the capabilities of the technology, continue to evolve and grow and leverage that technology in a way that makes sense, not only for the CAO organization, but if we deploy this for member offices, making sure that we can articulate to them, not only can we post jobs for you, but here are the metrics that we can capture for you. Here are the reports that we can provide to you. Here are the inf here's the information that, that uh, the system can, can provide. And let's just, I'm gonna use an example again, completely and totally hypothetical, but let's say we post a job for a member and the member wants to know how many resumes came in from their district. You know, that may be a screen out factor. Um, and certainly I think the system has that capability um, and those are the types of things that we would be looking for um, as we build out the requirements of the HR hub. So I think, you know, start small, offer a service and figure out how to grow it. Certainly um, we're putting some thought into that and we'll be following the model that we've established for the CAO organization. Yeah, Jason, this is Rich. Uh, I'll just jump in. What we really aimed at doing when we launched our learning management system was to make it easier for staff to take training and professional development. Um, and we've, we've accomplished that. So we uh, have seen the uptick in registration for class. Um, we've seen the number of hours that we're spending and an amount of volume of calls that we're taking on, on support questions of, you know, where do I get the training? How do I log in? Uh, where, where do I sign up for training? That, those, those, the time we were spending doing that has gone down and, uh, and then the number of people signing up for training and actually uh, attending, we used to have a very bad conversion rate where we'd get a lot of signups and not a lot of people attend. Um, so we've seen increases across the board. And what we're hoping for the future now is to continue in that direction. Because as we've mentioned, nothing we do is, is mandatory. Um, aside from our, and, and the numbers I was referencing are all for our non-required training. Um, so we have to appeal to our customer and, and make it something they want to do and see a value in doing and, and make it easy for them to do. And so in the future, we. Uh, there's some features that we haven't even turned on yet for the, for the LMS. There's some social uh, aspects where, where we can have um, chat boards and uh, communities of interest where people can post best practices and, and ask questions and thing like that, things like that. We haven't turned that on, but we think we're hoping in the future that we can do something like a, a moderated channel. Um, we also are hoping to leverage the, the LMS to, to introduce a cohort learning where we take a group of people and, and bring them through a curriculum together because uh, we've, uh, we've observed that the, the, the learning that takes place with the same group of people going through uh, a, a, a set of training is, is just more dynamic and, 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 and better. So uh, we haven't been able to do those things in the past and hopefully uh, that's stuff we would like to do moving forward with with, uh, with the help of the LMS. It's interesting you bring up this idea of the number of hours people are spending, the, the conversion rate is better. 
can you look at over the last you know six months or so during the pandemic as, as more people have worked from home? Are you seeing more people interested in training now? Are you seeing more people saying, you know, I could take an hour, I could take 30 minutes, I could take whatever it is and, and attend a class or, or I can even just look at the, what, what's offering to me and then maybe come back a week from now, two weeks from now. Are you seeing that more? Yeah, we are. We're seeing a lot more attendance uh, at, at training. We've Everything now is is online. So in addition to the LMS, at the same time, we also brought on board a, a, and upgraded a couple other technologies for we, uh, being able to do distance learning. And we have some on-demand uh, training as well. <clears throat> so we've made that more accessible, which is a great benefit, not just because of COVID, but as John mentioned before, we have a large uh, customer base that's not in Washington, D.C. Well, there's over 900 district offices across the country in every state and uh, t territory. And so now that professional development that was in the classroom in D.C. can be accessed by all those district staffers. So we've seen an increase based on the data that we get from attendance and what times are, are popular for people to attend training, what days of the week we've been able to offer uh, be more, we've been able to be more efficient with the use of our resources and offer those things that people want to take when they want to take them. And, um, and, and yeah, we've seen an increase during, during the remote work. Jason, John, I was going to jump in. Sorry. I, I think, you know, the, the conversion rate is, is really an interesting metric. And I think the technology has played a significant role in that. Um, I would also venture to guess that it's the quality of the products and services that Rich and his team are delivering to the member offices that is also helping to drive up the conversion rates. And I think COVID helps. Um, I also think the, the, the variety of trainings that are provided through the, um, uh, through Rich's team and, and the Congressional Staff Academy. I mean, I'll show, you know, I mentioned the OEA, uh, the Office of Employee Assistance and the Wellness Center, House Wellness Center are on my team, but they partner with Rich um, and his team to provide uh, mindfulness training for house staff, uh, wellness training for house staff. Um, and I think those are offerings that we really weren't providing to the greatest extent possible a couple of years ago. And I think there's a real need for that type of training um, for the house community and in the house workforce. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have the support from the leadership um, to continue to provide these services and expand those services. Uh, and I think, you know, Rich is again, masterful at managing the technology, but also his team providing training that the community needs and wants and will be uh, a tremendous benefit, not only here, but across across the, the entire uh, country. Thanks, John. Uh, this is Rich again. Yeah, our, our Staff Academy team, and it, it's a small one, uh, they, uh, they've done amazing work. One of the first things they did was put out a, a needs assessment and did a detailed needs assessment to the entire house community with surveys, focus groups, and um, job shadowing to understand what were the, the parts of, of working in a member office that, that people wanted to get better at and, and what were the, the skills that we could help uh, improve. And that has uh, led to the courses that we develop. And, um, and so we, we do hope and, and we think that we're, we're providing good content. But the partnerships have also really been important. Um, with, with John's office, uh, office of Employee Assistance and the Wellness Center. And, uh, and then we've had other legislative branch partners as well that offer training. We can now offer, um, we can now present that in one, one place to go sign up for training. So where they may have been sign up in different locations on a different website, um, you can, we funnel everyone now and, and are continuing to work with other organizations to try and uh, leverage our platform that if, if there's training available, um, this is where people are going to go to look for it and get that all on one site. So um, yeah, th those, and, and, that, and that helps. Uh, we leverage that because we are a small team. And so these other offices have a lot to offer that are, that's relevant to member offices and by making it available to them and easy to find and easy to access, um, members are getting the stuff that, that they need. And it's not only from the staff academy. 
it's good news, obviously, all the way around, just to see the metrics and the statistics to show that people are using it. They're spending more time with it. Gentlemen, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're just about out of time. So I'm going to ask each of you one to give me about less than 30 seconds. From your experiences over the last couple of years, what's the one piece of advice? What's the one big pothole? What's the one thing you would leave our audience with? Stay out of, watch out for, be smart about, whatever, however you want to term it. Uh, Rich, you want to tell us first? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Uh, in a in a short in a word, uh, don't go it alone. Uh, we we wouldn't have been able to do any of this without uh, partnering with our uh, technology department, with John, with our other uh, training providers, and of course with the, the with our customers, the member offices. So, um, and and leverage those partnerships. So we were able to identify a solution that worked for, for both of our needs and that has really made it a success. All right, John, one word. Do the doable. That's more than one word, but I will say, you know, put a plan together, make sure that you um, have short, medium, long range activities that you want to hit, hit those milestones, but don't bite off more than you can chew it. You know, a plan can help. And if you execute that plan, like Rich said, with the right partners, and you've done the, you know, done the, done your due diligence. You're going to do a great, great stuff. So, do the doable. Don't take, uh, take too much time to um, just do the doable. You remind me a little bit of uh, the old. Uh, you brought up the Bush administration earlier. Mark Foreman, don't try to eat the apple in one bite. Don't drink. Don't don't don't, don't try to drink the ocean in one in one swallow. John, uh, Rich, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed our, our our discussion, but unfortunately, we are out of time. Let me thank my guest, John Salomon, is the chief. Human Resources Officer in the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer for the, US of, for the U.S. House of Representatives. John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And Richard Capetto is the Chief Customer Officer, also in the Office of the Chief Administrative Officer in the U.S. House of Representatives. Rich, thank you so much for your time as well. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, How the House is Modernizing Its Human Capital Programs, sponsored by Cornerstone on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Cornerstone. Thank you for listening to the discussion, How the House is Modernizing Its Human Capital Programs, sponsored by Cornerstone on Federal News Network.